Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. Uh, I always love when Pastor Ricky gives me opportunities to teach, and uh, this morning we're going to be jumping into Romans chapter 12. Uh, We're going to be going through verse 2, so if you would, if you have a Bible with you or even your phone or tablet, whatever it is, just pop it open to Romans chapter 12. Now, this is a a beautiful passage because it reflects on what God has done and, and how we should respond. As Pastor Ricky mentioned last week, the verse one, it contains a therefore. And so essentially it's Paul's pointing back to everything he's already explained, going back all the way to chapter one. And, and the, the Apostle Paul tells us that the, the world is broken, right? Like it's broken, it's corrupt, it's evil. And, and humanity is no exception. Like all of us, it uh, doesn't matter if, if you were, you're, you're born into sin, And every single person who has been on this earth, who is on this earth, who will be on this earth, we're all, we all have this inclination that um, we just want to rebel. Like there's just something inside of us, inside of our hearts. And because we do rebel and because we sin, we fall short of God's glorious standard, his holy standard. And, And because we fall short of that standard, we deserve death. Both, both physical death, both, both spiritual death. We deserve this eternal separation from God, um, because God is, is holy. He's pure. Um, he, he's, he's undefiled by sin, and he can't have sin in his presence. And you see, while we were deserving all of that, God, in, in his mercy and in his, in his love, he provided a way for us uh, to be with him, He sent his one and only son, Jesus, to atone for our sins, to to pay our penalty on our behalf. And so in his love and mercy, he he has brought us into new life. Like we are, we have been freed uh, from from the bondage of sin and we are now slaves to righteousness. Like there's all this beauty from chapter one to chapter 11 um, showing how God has chosen us. He has grafted us into, into Israel, into his chosen people. And then I think the most beautiful part of all of this is that this, this free gift of salvation, it's available to everyone. There is nobody who, who cannot, uh, cannot have it. It's available and it's accepted. It's, it's free. It's a free gift. And so that, that's what Paul's talking about, like this therefore. He's saying all of that has led us to this point in chapter 12. And Paul says, in light of all of that, in light of everything I've just said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. But as, as Pastor Ricky taught us last week, uh, we can substitute spiritual worship with, with rational service. And so when we look at it, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your rational service. So in light of, of all that God has done for you, all that Jesus has sacrificed for you, the rational thing to do is to give yourself over to God to be used for his purposes, to be used for his glory each and every single day. As we see in verse one, it begins with our physical bodies. Um, And then in verse two, Paul begins to talk about the mind. So in the... um, in the original language here, there, there's an and at the start of verse two, which keeps verses one and verses two connected. So uh, in light of all that Paul had said, he, he says, be a living sacrifice and do not be conformed 
to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is, what is good and, and acceptable and perfect. So I want to spend some time um, dissecting this verse, and especially like this, this beginning part. Co- conforming to the world means being shaped by the world. So I'm sure everyone at some point in your life has, has played with Play-Doh, right? Like there, there's not some strange person watching this who is never, I, I don't know. If you haven't, then go grab some Play-Doh. It's pretty cool. But anyways, usually it's soft, right? Usually, sometimes it's like rock hard, but it can be pressed and it can be molded into whatever your heart desires. In fact, Play-Doh's slogan is, is shape your imagination. Like if you can dream it, you can make it happen. You want to build a dinosaur? Grab some Play-Doh, make it happen. You want to build a unicorn? Do it. You want to build something that's, that's a half dinosaur, half unicorn? You could do that. It's like you dream it, you can do it. And the point of, of all of this is that our minds are sort of like Play-Doh. Our, our minds can be shaped in many different ways. And without knowing it, our default is to allow the world to shape our minds. And another thing, it's, it's interesting that so many translations use the word um, world here. Like, do not be conformed to this world. It's weird because your, your, typic, your typical word for world would have been cosmos, right? Like that sounds like cosmos and that, that in Greek that entails like the world. And so that's what you would have seen. But instead the word here is Ioni. And the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uses Ioni a lot in the Psalms. And you're going to see it a lot in these like prepositional phrases of, of to the end of the age or, or forever through the ages, when you see age and ages, that's, that's Ioni. In classical Greek literature, they would use Ioni when talking about time. It often represented someone's lifespan or, or someone's lifetime. And in the New Testament, it, we usually translate it as a representation of time as well, which is why, I, I don't know, I'm a little bit confused, but translators will, will usually use the word ages. In fact, the, the New American Standard Bible is going to have like this little number. So if you have an NASB Bible, check it out. Um, it has this little number next to world. And then if you look at that number and go down to the bottom of the page, you'll see that it says ages right there. And that's because you can substitute ages for world. And this is important because if you're like me, you read, do not be conformed to this world. And immediately you begin to just associate it with culture. Because for some reason, when I think world, I think culture, worldly culture. And I, I completely get why we do that. It's just, I, that's only scratching at the surface of what Paul is, is actually trying to convey to us. So if, if you would, try to understand the verse this way. Think, do not be shaped by this present age. For Paul, this, this present age designates the course of the world apart from Christ and under the control of sin. You see, Satan rules this present age. It's dominated by evil and, and demonic powers. And this manifests in different ways. Like, think about the division that exists right now in our country. Like, there's no doubt that there's demonic activity going on in our, in our, um, in our country right now. Like, I'm only 29, but I know that it's not supposed to be this way. I know that, that politics are, are worse now than, than ever before. The right and the left have, have extremists that, that, um, that are just breeding hate and violence. 
And, and social justice can't even be heard because when she speaks, she's silenced by those who would use her to incite violence and terror. Or you think about like homosexuality has, has become just this norm in our society and it's even just applauded. Men and women are, are playing house until they get bored with one another and then they move on to the next person who, who their mind tells them that, it, it, that they're just happy or infatuated with them. There's just so much that sin has fractured in this world, in this present age, and, and Satan is just capitalizing on it. So, so Paul tells us, don't be shaped by this present age that's under control of sin. In contrast, Paul says, rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, if you notice, he, he doesn't say be shaped. He's not using the same word there. He says, be transformed. And that's because he, he's using a different word. He's using metamorpho. And this is an interesting compound word. Can you hear it? Like metamorpho? You got the meta and the, then the morpho. And, and together, it sounds like metamorphosis, right? And, and that's what it is. It's this, it's this big transformation. And this, this compound word is only used one other time in the New Testament. It's used in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And, and in that verse, it renders it the same way. It, it has to do with the transformation the context both here and in, in 2 Corinthians points to the process of sanctification. Sanctification is, is this process of becoming more and more holy. You see, this, this process of becoming more and more holy is actually quite interesting. Like when you think about it, is it something that I do, like all by myself? That's something I'm stri- striving after and, and trying to accomplish? Or is it something that I just need to let go of the reins and allow God to completely transform me and, and, and sanctify me? Or is it something that God and I are working together to, to make me more and more holy? And it, it's interesting that we can look and, and see that Paul wrote this word in, in what we call the middle or the, the middle slash passive voice. And this is going to get a little heady, so, so bear with me. But there's a difference between an active voice and a passive voice. So we have this in English. An active voice would be, um, I am hitting the ball. And a passive voice would be, I am being hit with the ball. So do you see the difference? I am hitting the ball is I am doing the action. And I am being hit by, by the ball is, is I'm receiving the action. And there's not really a, a translation of the middle. Like in English, we don't have a, a middle. We just have active and passive. And so if I were to attempt to, to use that illustration, it would be something like, I'm working with the ball to hit myself. Like it, it doesn't quite translate into English. So um, here's the thing though. Paul is using the middle slash passive voice here. So we have to decide, is, is he saying that we just let go of the reins and, and we have no part in the sanctification process? Like God is just, is making us more and more holy and we just lie there and take it? Or is, is he saying that we are working together with God to be made more and more holy? And you see that first one isn't really supported in scripture. The, the, we, just, we just stand by and we just let God just completely sanctify us. That, that isn't supported in scripture. What is supported in scripture is that we work together with God to, to be sanctified, to be made more and more holy. And for, for our context in this verse, one of the ways that we, uh, we are being sanctified is by the renewing of our minds. 
So we can turn to Colossians chapter 3 and see that Paul writes, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So we play a part in, in the renewing of our minds. We, we ought to strive uh, to set our minds on, on the kingdom of heaven, set our minds on love and, and on justice and on righteousness. And when you set your mind on those things, it's going to begin to transform your life. Now, maybe it's just me, but when I decide that I want to learn something or when I decide that I want to do something, like I go all in, all in. And so it consumes everything I think about. So when I started disc golfing, and yes, I do disc golf. I know it's a typical millennial thing to do, but it's really fun. And when I started disc golfing, it was all I thought about. Like, I, I, I was envisioning the motion of, like, how to drive. Um, I was thinking through the courses I played. Like, okay, what are the difficult places? How, how should I use this disc? Should I use that? Should I try this? Should I try that? And I thought about it a lot. And then, like, sure enough, my game improved. There's no doubt about it. Like, there's this thing that when we set our minds on something, it begins to have this, this effect definitely on our actions, but also it just helps to, to shape and to mold us. Now, um, just like the, the mind can, can take me from a terrible disc golf player to a mediocre disc golf player, the, the mind can help us to, to be made new. Because that's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about our minds being made new, and we do that by setting our minds on the things above, not the things that are here on earth. You and I, we're, 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 we're being made new, just completely remade. Like, like we, we started off as Plato. God had us as Plato. And then he's like, all right, bam, this is gone. Pulls out this marble slab. He's like, I'm going to make you into something beautiful. So he grabs his chisel, he grabs his hammer, and he starts going to work. And he starts chipping away. And he starts forming us into this new creation. It, as we move on, the, the New American Standard Bible translates the ending of, of chapter two best, in my opinion. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that, that's important, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul says that the reason we're being transformed is so that we can prove the will of God. It's sort of like math, right? Like I'm trying to remember which math. I think it was trig when I started dealing with, with, um, with angles and sine and cosine and tan, like all those things. And you'd have to figure out, okay, is this angle equal to this? Like, you know, this angle is equal to that angle. And so you would have to prove it. And so that's sort of what's happening here. You're, you're proving or you're testing. Um, I, like, I like the word discerning. You're, you're, you're trying to figure it out but you know that, that it is true. So um, being transformed enables you to discern the will of God. And Paul says that the will of God is good and it's acceptable and that it's perfect. Now for me, those last two words, acceptable and perfect, those are, those are hard for me because I, I definitely misunderstand what Paul's trying to convey. 
Like when I think acceptable, it's probably because I'm still a student, but I think of like the lowest um, possible acceptance. Like if, if a teacher says, hey, this needs to be like an eight to 10 page paper, then I'm gonna shoot for eight because eight's acceptable. I'm not gonna try to do too much. It's, it's like that bare minimum. And then when I think perfect, I think, I think athletes. I think like, like you know, NFL or, or MLB. I think the people who are just like perfect at their game that's not really what those words are meant to convey. You see, acceptable is more like pleasing. Like you, you, can, you can accept it, it is pleasing. And then perfect is, is more like whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole or complete. And so you can, you can look at it as, as God's will is that which is good and pleasing and, and, and whole. God's will for our, our lives is good pleasing. It, it encompasses all of our life. And maybe you're listening right now and you're thinking, that sounds good. Uh, I'm sorry, that sounds too good to be true. Like God wants to transform me, but he has a plan for my life that's good. I don't know about that. I, I really don't think so. And look, I, I, I don't know exactly like what you've gone through or, or why you feel that God couldn't use you or, or look into your life and, and find you um, as someone he wants to transform, but he does. I know that the Bible is true. And the Bible says that he made you, he cares about you, he loves you, and he wants to shape you into a new creation. And so I just want to encourage you, like allow yourself to sort of let go of that and let go of the reins in your life and allow Jesus to enter in and speak truth into you. Now, we've, uh, we've been zoomed into this, this verse quite a bit for quite a while. So I want to zoom out for a second and remind us that at the beginning of chapter 12, Paul says, in light of, or I'm sorry, he says, therefore, which is essentially in light of, right? In light of all that God has done, like, like him sacrificing his one and only son to atone for your sins, in light of him freely giving you righteousness that you didn't earn, that he just freely gave to you, as a gift that setting you free from the bondage of sin and grafting you into his chosen people in light of all of that, present your whole being to God because it's the rational thing to do. It's the rational response. In light of all that God has done for you, give yourself wholly to him. You see your heart if, if you're a believer and, and you do accept all that Paul has already taught, your heart is, is already given to God. Now we give our bodies and we give our minds. And, and you, your mind, you give to him so that he can transform, transform you so that you can better discern his will for your life. And your body you give to him so that he can use you for his purposes and for his glory. This is the rational thing to do in light of all that God has done for us. And I want to challenge you to, to truly reflect on your life. Are there aspects of your life that are being shaped by this present age? A good place to start is, um, you could start by looking at your social media. Look at your accounts. What are you posting? Are you stirring the pot? Are you being a source of peace and a source of light? Like, are you contributing to, to the evils in the world? Or are you contributing to the hope of the world? And 
Think about your conversations. What is it that you find yourself talking about a lot? Are they innocent things or are they healthy things? Or do you find yourself ranting and gossiping and and stirring up drama? And lastly, look at your priorities. What's filling your head during the week? What what are you eager to do or or what is it that you're eager to consume? And don't forget, when, when we talk about this present age, we're talking about the sin that is still here, the sin that is controlling this present age and how Satan is is so active here and now. So we want to honestly reflect, are we we joining that? Are we involved in in the sin in this world? And, And maybe it might just be small aspects of our life, but nonetheless, we want to honestly assess that, take it to God. And here's the big part, is repent. We want to repent. We want to ask God to renew our minds. I also want to challenge you to reflect on what it means to set your mind on things above. What are the characteristics of the kingdom of heaven? What are they? And, and meditate on them. A great place to start is the Gospels. Like, like read through Matthew, read through Mark, read, read through Luke. Um, I would say read through John, but I think those, those first three are going to give you a better picture because Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven in those first three. I recommend those first um, to give you really a good, a good picture of the characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. I promise if you begin to, to fill your mind with kingdom values— and attributes, then you'll begin to manifest those in your actions, and then you will be a living sacrifice to God. Let's pray. God Almighty, we, um, we do, first what Paul says, we, we reflect on all that you have done for us. We think about how you didn't have to save us but you are so good and you are so loving and you are so full of mercy that you chose to extend grace in the form of your son, Jesus. That you sacrificed your one and only son in place of us so we could have righteousness that is worthy to be before you. God, we're so thankful. And in response, we, we truly do want to give ourselves fully to you. And sometimes that's really hard. It's really hard because sometimes there are things that are, are rooted deep in our hearts and in our souls that we want to cling to, that we love or that we find identity with. But they're of this world. They're of this age. They're sinful. They're They're not good. And so Holy Spirit, would you help us to identify those things that we need to rid ourselves of, to be be made more and more holy? Would you help us to set our minds on things above? Help us to set our minds on the kingdom of heaven 
And that which can be manifested in action like love and justice and righteousness and peace, God, help us to to set our minds on those and help it to just infiltrate our being, that our bodies would be glorifying and honoring to you. God, I, I just pray for anyone who may be who may be watching and listening. And I just pray that if, if they're struggling with just being able to get rid of their past or being able to just accept you in, God, I pray that you would be stirring their hearts. Holy Spirit, would you be moving to show them that, you, that God Almighty loves them, that they are known, fully known, that there's no aspect of their life that is hidden from you and that you love them and you desire better for their life, you desire to transform their life, and would you help them to take that step in admitting their sin and and choosing to believe and follow each and every day. God, please, we pray for our nation. We pray for all of the the evil that exists, that you would would just infiltrate it with with us through, through in light and love that as Christians, we would be marked by love, not as loud voices creating noise. Help us to display who you are in action. We love you. Amen.